CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast, Tuesday morning, September 14th, year of our Lord 2021. As usual on Tuesday and Thursday, jam-packed wall-to-wall mailbag. You've got the cues. I've got the responses. I don't know if I would go as far as to say I've got the answers. In fact, I'll tell you I don't in most cases, but that's what's fun. That is what is so fun about this. Speaking of fun, let me just hit this right off the top. I kind of touched on it on Late Kick Live, but we're a little bit looser here in the podcast so we can discuss things more openly and more relaxed. What a fun trip to Iowa. I mean, what a fun trip. I know a lot of you follow along on Instagram so you can see the story updates. I show you as much as I can, internet pending, of course. We didn't have the best of signals Saturday, but man, what a fun trip. From the time I was really still here at BNA, that's Nashville's airport, from the time I was at BNA to the time we got into Des Moines, Friday night, that would have been, yeah, Friday night, I was running into you guys all over the place. I took so many pictures. I had conversations with you guys. And it's so funny because the themes are always the same. I have conversations with you guys, but you say a version of the same thing to me. Anytime you're talking about the show, anytime you're telling me what you like about it, there may be some nuance and some odds and ends, but you guys all come back to the same thing. Thank you for producing what we do not get elsewhere. And it's funny because it's true because the things you guys like about the show are the same things that I was feeling. That's why I started doing this. There used to be a lot of what you and I want and like, and it's not out there so much anymore. At least it's certainly not abundant and plentiful supply. And it's certainly not coming from the same national entities that we used to get it from to be kind and not name names. And so let's do it ourselves. And so that's what you and I do. We do it ourselves. And it's very participatory, 17 syllables there. I hope it's a word. And if you don't believe that, And if the Q&A mailbags and the constant back and forth I have with you guys isn't enough, was anyone watching College Game Day Saturday morning? I put out the challenge. I told you, if one of you gets Late Kick or Pate State logos on air, there is a reward coming your way. Well, sure enough, we got it done. Calvin Marks, University of Iowa, class of 2023, emailed me afterwards and said, here's the evidence. And he's got a nice smiling picture of himself with the poster he got on air. And he laid out his whole story for me. So we are going to do something really fun. I can't tell you quite yet what the free thing is we're going to hand out because I'm having it made. I hope to be able to tell you maybe as soon as tonight on Late Kick Live, but it may be Thursday. It's going to be very unique. And it's going to be something that each one of you can get your hands on if you pull this off. If you get this show, if you get our show, any kind of truly regional or national notoriety, you're getting something from me. And it's going to be unique. It's going to be something that we only give for this specific thing. I've already got the name picked out. I know exactly what it's going to be. It is something you can hold. It is it is tangible in nature. It is an object. And it's going to be really unique unto us, which is pretty much the common theme for everything we do on this show. So uh, let's go through the mailbag. I'm going to give you some more things to think about and marinate on as we move forward this morning. Of course, we are headed to Penn State this Saturday. Auburn at Penn State, the whiteout. I've never been there before, much less to see a whiteout. 
And that leads me into my first question. And it's from several of you asking essentially, why did you choose that over Alabama at Florida? So go back to the criteria. When we talk about the Renaissance tour and where we choose to go any given week, what are we looking for? Number one, we're looking for hopefully a very, very competitive game. And number two, we're trying to be at the biggest games. So we want there to be marquee appeal. We want it to be very competitive. We're looking to experience the best environments. We're looking to see as many teams as possible. And so when I thought about down the road, I thought about the fact that there will be other opportunities for me to see Florida. For instance, I would highly suspect I'll be at the Georgia-Florida game. There will certainly be several other opportunities to see Alabama. I, Ole Miss-Bama is a possibility. Bama-Texas A&M is a possibility. There are several opportunities for Bama. So I don't know that I'm going to have a bunch of other chances to see Auburn or especially Penn State. I don't know that I'll ever be able to see that whiteout game because that only happens once a year. And also, if I think about the opportunity to see the more competitive matchup, we don't know how it's going to shake out ultimately, but you're playing percentages. The Auburn-Penn State game, the line's four and a half or five, whatever it is right now, Alabama's favored by over two touchdowns on the road. And Alabama's just more likely to get margin on someone than either Penn State or Auburn will be on each other. So we got the environment there. We've got the uniqueness. We've got exposure to two teams for the first time and maybe the only time this year. And we've got the opportunity for a really, really close ball game. I think all the edges were there. So in the end, also, these people are all going to wear white t-shirts just like me. How could I ever turn that kind of environment down? I couldn't. I couldn't. I tried to rationalize Alabama, Florida. It's not like it would have been a bad choice. But I, in the end, there were too many things that Auburn, Penn State had going for it. But get back to the sentence I started to say like two minutes ago, you never really know how it's going to pan out. Think back to just last week. I ended up going to Iowa, Iowa State. That game felt to me like one that was destined to be a one possession back and forth affair decided late in the fourth quarter. I just did not see any kind of scenario. I think the exact words out of my mouth were minus a freak turnover game. I don't see a scenario where it's a double digit game. Well, we got the freak turnover game. We had a minus four turnover game. And so there I am in the Iowa State press box before our game started, and I'm watching Oregon and Ohio State in a classic, and the underdog of two touchdowns is actually winning. One of the reasons why I chose Iowa State-Iowa was because I was worried about the potential blowout factor. When you're looking at it down the road and you know Ohio State's going to be favored like they are, you always have that in the back of your mind. And lo and behold, that's the one that pans out. Also, Texas-Arkansas would have been great to be at because even though that ended up being a blowout, you would have gotten to experience that home environment. So I'm saying all this to say, you never really know how it's going to shake out. But I'd be interested, if you know my criteria, I'd be interested for someone to make the case that I should not have gone to Penn State. Because, man, that, that ended up not being a no-brainer, but it ended up being a fairly solid choice, a fairly clear choice in the end. But I really do appreciate, you guys have really latched onto this, the whole Renaissance Tour thing. And now that we kind of publicize which town we're going to be in, I'm already getting hit up from people in the various media markets in Pennsylvania to do some media, to do some interaction before we head up there. I'll be in Pittsburgh, I think, Friday night, but we'll head over to State College on Saturday. I mean, that's going to be so incredible. But what I love about it is, as is usually the case, you guys have blown it up. Every time I put out that release video on Sunday night, you guys retweet the bejesus out of it. And so a lot of people see it and a lot of people are taking notice. We don't have a marketing department. For the umpteenth time, I'm telling you, you are our marketing department. And the reason I tell you these sorts of things, even though it's not a Q&A on a Q&A podcast, is because I want you to know again and again 
how much you're impacting the growth of the show. So we're looking forward to Pennsylvania and we're looking forward to Penn State, namely uh, Saturday. And we are doing a lot of work in those media markets leading up to that game. That's about all I'll tell you for now. Or right, let's roll on here. Corey asked a question that I'm really going to hit hard tonight on Late Kick Live, but I'll go ahead and start touching on it now. He said, this is Corey. I have a question for Late Kick Extra. Do you think USC fired Clay Helton too early or too late? I think too late. Absolutely. When I when this news broke today, I thought Chase Goodbread put it about as well as anyone. And Chase Goodbread said, if you're firing a coach two games into the season, then you fired him. Uh, he used the O word off season. He said, you're firing him an off season too late. And that's accurate. That's totally accurate. It reeked, absolutely reeked of the Les Miles debacle back in 2016, where they retained him. And it was very much nip and tuck. You heard rumors going into game day, the final game of the previous season. And then they, I think they beat Arkansas and the players carry him off on their shoulders. You got all kinds of stories about people meeting that day in boxes and Tiger Stadium. And in the end, regardless of how the story actually played out, they ended up retaining Les Miles for whatever reason. But he was never safe. The, the ice never got thicker under his feet. It was always thin. And so they go into next year. I remember this. It's one of my most vivid memories. I'm covering the Auburn-LSU game, and it looks like LSU wins on a walk-off touchdown. Then instant replay overturns it, and then Auburn wins, and I'm right there on the field. I mean, Leonard Fournette's on that team. They had a loaded team, but they lost the game. And so I go up the LSU tunnel, and I'm looking. There's Joe Oliva currently, or at the time, he was currently the athletic director at LSU, and it's just so obvious what's coming. And Les Miles comes back out onto the field to do his post-game coaches show. His wife's on the field. She has leaned against a wrought iron gate. She will not look at him. She had her back to him. So he's doing his post-game coaches show, which is normal. They normally film the show right there on the field in an empty stadium before they even get on the bus to go back to the airport. So he does what turned out to be his last coaches show, and then he gets fired. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what that you saw from Les Miles in this loss, did you not already know? And I think the same thing with Clay Helton. What that you saw Saturday in a loss to Stanford had you not already seen before? My point there is, if you did not fire him at the end of last year, then he entered this season, still the head coach at USC, and if, if the status quo is he exited 2020 as still being good enough in your mind's eyes to be the head coach, there has to be something more there has to be a, a newfound negative that happens, right? And there was nothing newly found. It was just more the same USC. And so it's bad. I mean, it's really bad because now we're going to have an entire lame duck season of recruiting that falls off a cliff, just like it did a couple of cycles ago, even when the staff was in place. I'm interested to see how this goes because I'm telling you right now, I was talking to someone in the agent world today, and they said, I know a lot of people in your world are about to put out all these hot lists and they're going to put out top names to watch. But I'm telling you in my world, this is the agent talking. He said no agent worth his or her salt and no legitimate head coaching candidate worth his salt is going to even remotely consider the USC job until they see what happens at LSU, which is the other elephant in the room right now. There is a belief, independent of what your or my opinions are, there is a belief in the coaching and agent world that LSU is going to open up. And people are looking at it in that world and they've got dollar signs in their eyes. They are never, ever going to let a candidate say yes, either behind the scenes, back channel, or just out front, 
for everyone to see to USC. They're never going to say yes to USC until they know what LSU is going to do. Even if, let's just say, let's just take some names that are out there. Even if Luke Fickle at Cincinnati were to tell his agent today, hey, if they offer, then I want it. If USC offers, I want it. And then the agent says, well, actually, they reached out and they want you. So you want me to go ahead and agree to this? That's never the way you should handle that. What you got to do is you got to finish your season because you owe it to your players and your organization. And you got a really good team there at Cincinnati, too. You finish it and then you watch what happens at LSU because, believe me, if LSU is going to open up, I don't think it'll take to the end of the season for it to happen. And so you got to wait and see what happens at LSU. And even if it opens up and you don't want it, you float your name out there like you do so that a bidding war ensues. I mean, this is, this is negotiation and leverage 101 type stuff. So I know a lot of lists are going to be put out there. I would be shocked if anything happens before the end of the year in terms of hiring a new head coach. Rogue Viking up next, he said, question, if Florida puts 300-plus on the ground versus Bama, is that a padlock stat that denotes an upset in the swamp this weekend? For those unfamiliar, the padlock stat is the stat that we, if we know it on Friday, don't even have to watch the game to know the outcome. So if Florida, if you told me on Friday Florida was going to have 300 yards rushing against Alabama, would that be a padlock stat? Well, my first inclination would be yes, it probably is. I certainly don't see that happening. But if they were to run for 300 on Bama, yeah, it's a pretty good indication you gave yourself a good chance of winning. Now, here's what could overturn that. Here's why you don't know for sure. I, again, don't expect this, but what if you were just moving it up and down the field between the 20s, but then when it compacted in the red zone, you stalled? And you either had to settle for threes over sevens or you turned the ball over a couple of times down there. That's how you end up outgaining someone. And you put a ton of yards in the box score, but you don't put nearly as many points on the board as you should. That happened a couple of times this past weekend, Ohio State most notably. So I I think it would be a long way down the road to padlock stat. I could not just guarantee it off the top of my head. But that's going to be a fun one to watch because I would imagine the padlock stat is not going to be ground yards. I think a lot of it is going to be tied to how successful can either Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson be throwing the ball against Alabama? You don't run the ball to beat Alabama. I mean, history has shown us this crystal clear. You've got to be able to throw the ball, and you've got to be able to do it with precision, and you've got to be able to do it with consistency to beat them. Even the mobile quarterbacks, one of the great myths in college football has been for a while is the mobile quarterback beats Nick Saban, and it's because of their legs. Well, in a way, that may be true, but it's what their legs buy them time to do with their arm on any given play. Maybe broken plays or maybe the RPO stuff. you got to be able to throw the ball to beat Alabama. Hey, by the way, speaking of that Florida quarterback deal uh, that I'm going to talk about a whole lot more tonight, Anthony Richardson is going to be the guy there. I know Florida fans are well aware of this, but maybe outside, if the last thing you knew about Florida was what your local preview magazine said and you haven't really watched them, against inferior competition the first couple of weeks. Maybe you haven't seen Anthony Richardson. That's the future at quarterback for Florida. Dan Mullen's trying to fight it, at least publicly, uh, internally. He knows infinitely more about that position than we do. He knows what I'm saying is true. Now, what he probably also sees in practice is he sees all the mistakes that Anthony Richardson is making, which we can't see. In fairness, if Dan would open practice up every day, we could see it. But he knows that he wants a guy on the field that can't do it wrong. We've seen Anthony Richardson do some stuff right. Dan Mullen's seen all the stuff that he does wrong still. And so when you just when you see him pop against inferior competition, immediately you say, he looks better than Emory Jones. And he has. That's not even disputable at this point. Anyone making that argument is insane. I mean, Dan Mullen or anyone else, he has looked the better of the two quarterbacks. 
But what's going to happen if you start him or you play him against Alabama is for the first time, the margins are really going to shrink and the windows are going to narrow considerably. And the time you have on that clock to make a decision, it gets wound down. And you have to start worrying about developing that guy for the long term, that guy being Anthony Richardson, developing him for the long term versus doing what may end up giving you the best shot, relatively speaking, to beat Alabama. That is something that even if you're not a Florida or an Alabama fan, I would encourage you to pay attention to that. We're going to talk about it a lot more later tonight. Next up, Kenneth hit me up. Now, I can't read his whole email. He is a Texas A&M fan, and he was in Boulder, well, I guess Denver, for the A&M Colorado game this past week. And he was talking about the mixed experience that he had with some of the Colorado faithful out there. And so I'm going to skip through all that, and I'm going to get to the question. He said, what are the classiest fans you have ever been around? Now, class does not mean no trash talking. I just mean a general level of you could say that around your mother versus you couldn't say that around your mother. There's always that fan at the game. But it seemed this weekend like it was the entirety of the fan base. Now, again, these are Kenneth's words, not mine. He may have just run across a rough pocket of Buffalo fans, so I'm not going to cast aspersions. You know how rarely I use that word. But I will tell you, Kenneth, I've run across several really good fan bases. Now, here's what's funny. LSU fans have always treated me great. And I'm about the only non-Louisianan who walks in there who gets treated great. Because most of the time, if you're not one of them, then you're walking into hostile territory. But early on, when we were doing late kick independently, I'm telling you back in 2018 and 19, when we first had the actual name late kick, when I'd switched it over to what is the brand that you largely know today, that was when that 2019 season was approaching. And I felt so confident about LSU that spring and summer, what some people will call the off season. We don't for obvious reasons, but I felt so good. And I was just out front about it. And I wasn't really trying to create any hype. I thought the hype was deserved. I thought there should have been more hype. I wasn't really trying to create any, I guess. But LSU fans latched onto it, and they they passed it around. They passed our show around Louisiana. We were bigger in Louisiana. I remember some of our early traffic. We were bigger in Louisiana than any other state. And that includes the state I was broadcasting from, the state of Georgia. Our numbers in Louisiana were bonkers. So when we went down there for, I think, the Auburn game, early that year, and I was getting recognized. Just a few months, really, into the season, I was being recognized. I thought that was just the craziest thing. It's a wonder what the internet will do and what YouTube gives you the ability to do. But ever since then, when I've been around LSU fans, even if I speak negatively about the program, they understand where I'm coming from. I mean, it's great for my show when LSU is performing at a high level. Make no mistake, I have bias. I absolutely have bias. There are programs that I root for, and LSU's one of them, because those folks have been so great for this show. They've been great to this show. They've been great for me. I walked through the tailgate area at LSU, and I could eat until I was 500 pounds if I wanted to. Uh, That's how great they receive me down there. So that is one. I'll tell you, one of the best places that I've ever been was just this past weekend. I don't know that I've ever been treated nicer on a person-to-person basis than I was in Iowa, and from the Iowa and Iowa State fans. It was incredible. We were so well-received up there, and another place in the sort of what you would call the upper Midwest was South Bend when I went up there in 2017 for the Georgia game. Those people were, they were exhibiting what we would call Southern comfort and Southern hospitality. They were exhibiting that, and we were in Northern Indiana, 
And that really left an impression on me. I'm telling you, a lot of Georgia folks who made the trip up there, they felt the same way. No one that I've spoken to, at least, had a bad experience on that trip. So Iowa, uh, Notre Dame, well, Iowa State, but Iowa and Iowa State, Notre Dame, LSU, and I've been to the places like Georgia and Auburn and, and Bama. I've been there dozens of times a piece, and it's always fun. So those are mainstays for me. But the areas that I don't get to get to as much, I love my trip to Texas A&M. Two years ago when I went out there for the Bama game, I loved that one. There are places I want to go to. And that's what I'm focused on this weekend so much for, because I get to check another one off when we go to Penn State. And I imagine we'll have a great trip there. I don't know that I've had bad trips. I mean, there have been trips that some are better than others. I don't know that I've really had bad ones. I love hearing from you guys, though, because you have a different perspective than me. A lot of you go on the road as a rival fan, and that's totally different. Like, if you go to Baton Rouge and you're a Bama fan or you're an Auburn fan, that's a different world. And that's a hostile world. And, hey, I got all the appreciation and respect in the world for you guys for being willing to go in there because they do their job as a home fan base of making that place really intimidating. And I think that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to create a little feeling of uneasiness, certainly not resorting to any kind of violence or anything like that, but it's supposed to feel a little intimidating when they come into your building. And if it doesn't, then maybe you need to check yourself a little bit. But that means you can still be hospitable while you do that. But it was a great trip this past weekend. I mean, every everybody from fans to a lot of the staff there at Iowa State, I spoke to a couple of staffers from Iowa. I spoke to it just shows you the reach of the show. You guys would not believe on a week to week basis how many folks on coaching staffs and recruiting staffs and compliance department personnel reach out and just say, hey, I liked what you said the other day about this. Hey, just wanted to let you know we were watching the other day. We've got a really good reach that you guys have allowed us to have with this show. And so it's always funny to know who's watching because you never know. And then they tell you and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, they've been watching the whole time because they know specific things about the show that you would only know if you watched and listened. Uh, So, yeah, it's always fun to go on the road and to meet new people. That's what I like to get out on the road for. I don't like to sit in a studio 1,500 miles away from you and pretend like I'm one of you. There's only one way to be a part of college football fans, and that's to really be one. And the only way you can be one is to do what you guys do and what we do. We go to games, talk about them, watch them on TV, uh, congregate with each other. That's what we do. And so I was having fun doing that this past weekend and look forward to doing it the rest of the season. Got some challenging decisions coming up to make about where we go But boy, what a blessing to be able to do that. That's a job. That's literally the job. I'm not going to go down this road again. I've done it the past two podcasts. But just know, I appreciate you allowing me to be able to do it. Jeff's got a really interesting question up next here. I'm going to ask it. I like to do this sometimes. I want to ask it. Let's toss to the ad break and give you some time to think about it. And then we'll come back. I'll give you my answer because I went both ways on this. But I think I know where where I want to go. He said, is it possible in today's college football to win a national championship without a first-round talent at quarterback. Think about that. Can you win a title without a first-round talent at quarterback? And I'll answer it right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. So again, Jeff's question here, is it possible in today's college football to win a national championship without a first round talent at quarterback? I think the answer is no, as the game is currently constructed. But I think it's a little bit of a trick question because you could certainly make the playoff. You can make the playoff. People have done it. I mean, Notre Dame has done it a couple of times. You can make the playoff without having a first round talent at quarterback. I think one of the misconceptions out there is people think those are interchangeable. It's like Major League Baseball. You know, if you make the playoff, then you're in it. Just make it to the playoff and then let the chips fall where they may. Because there's a feeling, especially in Major League Baseball, in October, you have five or seven game series, anything can happen. And baseball is, you know, such a tightly compacted game where the margin for error and the margins overall are so microscopic, you can't tell who the better team is in a one-game setting. This is college football. You absolutely can tell the difference between Alabama and Notre Dame, even in a one-game setting. So Jeff's question, if it were can you make the playoff, would be totally different. Can you win a championship? I don't think you can. With the importance placed on the quarterback position, how much of a premium there is there, and knowing that even in a year like this, like I think 2021, has already, think about it, gotten off to the exact kind of start you and I talked about it getting off to the entire summer. And that is kind of having that 07 vibe. It may not end up being that crazy, but it's got the vibe of anything can truly happen any given Saturday, and you don't have these two or three programs on an inevitable death march to the playoff. It doesn't feel like that. Clemson doesn't feel like that. They've already gotten beaten. You've seen their vulnerability. Ohio State's already been beaten. You've seen their vulnerability. Some of you just flat out don't believe Georgia can do it, so even though they're playing at a high level right now, you think they'll screw it up. Uh, Florida's not at that level right now. Texas A&M's not at that level. Who do we have? Oklahoma almost got beat by Tulane. You don't think they're at that level right now. The West Coast, Oregon is just now emerging. We don't really know. Alabama's that team, but that's the point I'm trying to make. Even in a year where it seems like we have a ton of volatility and a ton of, you know, maybe if you want to call it parity at the very top tier, then you can call it that. But you still, even in all that, are going to have at least one team that rises to the top come playoff time and is decidedly too good at quarterback for you to beat unless you've got that kind of quarterback talent of your own. It may be Alabama this year, or it could be that Oklahoma gets on a roll and they end up being that team. Or maybe Clemson does or Ohio State gets their act together defensively enough to where C.J. Stroud continues to evolve and they are that team. My point is, by the time we get to that December decision day where you're picking the playoff field, there will be at least one team, if not more, in that field that you look at and you say, in order to beat that team, we have to either A, be plus four turnovers like Iowa was last week, or B, we have to be able to match them and trade points with them. And to do that, we're not going to do it with good, solid tailback talent. We're going to have to do it throwing the football with a high-level quarterback. So, Jeff, I'm going to say my answer is no. If you think you are capable of winning a title without true first-round talent at quarterback, I'd be very interested 
to know which data points you're using and which teams out there, or team, singular or plural, you think can accomplish that, this year or any year. Okay, uh, Justin is up next. He has what we would call a classic conundrum that can only exist in this sport. Uh, first off, he gave me a shout-out because he was an undergrad at Auburn back when I was in Columbus, and Auburn is in the Columbus TV market, so he would see my show. So he's making some references here that almost none of you would understand. But thank you, Justin. So he said, a little bit of background on my question. As I said, I found your show when I was an undergrad at Auburn. I'd go to almost every game home and away as a member of the marching band for five years. After finishing my undergrad at Auburn, I went back for more school after a Ph.D. here in Happy Valley at Penn State. My question is simple. Who do I root for Saturday when it's Auburn at Penn State? If Auburn gets the dub, this would be a huge boost for Brian Harson from a recruiting and fan buy-in perspective. But if Penn State wins, I think it gives them an outside shot at the playoff with the Ohio State loss last week. What do I do? Well, what does he do, people? I'm asking you guys, what does he do? Because I really don't know where I'd be here. I think even if I were to side with Auburn, so let's say you go the undergrad route and back to your roots in Auburn, what if you're in that environment? What if you're in the stadium? Or at the very least, you're watching it on TV. It's really easy to get caught up in that. It's easy to get drunk on that home atmosphere and to just get drawn into it to where if you're on the fence, man, you, you side with Penn State. I could easily see that happening. Or I could see you being one of those underdog, back against the wall, you know, us against the world sort of types, and then you pull for Auburn. By the way, Auburn, I just realized this, will be rearing road whites, and so they will also be dressed in white, so they'll, in a way, fit in, as will yours truly. I'm so excited to finally go into an environment where I can just wear a t-shirt like I normally do. I, I, I think every day, there was an unnamed company out there. I'm not going to give them the benefit of naming their company, but there was a company that flirted with us about a potential ad partnership during August. And I think you guys know which one I'm talking about. And I cannot believe that they fumbled so thoroughly the ability to market on a show where the very host wears nothing but a white t-shirt, but uh, just a poor read on their part. But we soldier on, we got Academy Sports and Outdoor with us. <laughs> That's been fun too. Uh, I tell you guys every week, yeah, you keep, you keep tagging them on Twitter. And talking about how you're buying stuff because they are partnering with Late Kick, you watch what happens with that. Uh, they'll add some zeros onto the next contract we sign with them, and then who knows? Free sporting goods for everyone. But Justin, uh, I think if all else fails, you go the Matthew McConaughey route in Two for the Money, which is one of the best gambling movies out there of all time. It may not be totally realistic, uh, but neither was Jaws, and I like that too. I uh, may just, in a cold sweat, the morning of the game, just fall to the floor in the bathroom against a stall and just flip a coin. That's what Matthew McConaughey did to pick the winner of the Super Bowl. Excuse me, they had to, they had to say Super Game or the, or the big game in a movie because you can't use the Super Bowl. And so that may be what it comes down to, man. But what place has a bigger, a bigger chunk of your heart? Is it Auburn? Is it Penn State? Do you have maybe a girl that you met at one place that eventually becomes your wife? Did you have more professors you liked at one place than the other? Which place had a bigger impact on the amount of money that you're going to make in life and the financial success you're going to have? Where are more of your connections? You could go all sorts of different routes. Did you get a really, really wicked sunburn at an Auburn game one day that left a little splotch on your right arm and you'll never forgive that place? It could come down to something like that. I'm telling you, you're a winner either way. And if I could be so bold, it is well within your right to make a bet at halftime of a game. So why don't you just make a decision on which side you're going to pull for at halftime of the game? 
That, I think, is a foolproof proposition because you get to test the waters out and you have every reason to do so. No one else is free to do that. This could be your only opportunity in life to test drive an actual football game before you get to choose your rooting interest for the latter portion of said contest. So I would take full advantage here, Justin. I think it's going to be a good weekend for you either way. It's certainly going to be a good weekend for us. I got Late Kick Live coming up tonight, uh, which means we have Late Kick Live coming up tonight. These shows have been doing great traffic, so thank you so much for that. Make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram. And by the way, I know a lot of you already have, but if you haven't, you need to be around. I know it's late, but I do it that way for a reason. On Friday nights, the super secret we can't tell management about it, Instagram Live gambling chat, uh, heretofore known as Friday Night Lines. That's been fun. And by the way, I've been giving you the leans that don't make it on the Ramen Noodle Express. And the leans have, I want to say they're like 13 and 4 or something like that against the spread. Now, those don't count. I'm not counting them as a record. I just thought it should be noted. So that's been fun. I mean, it's got a live chat function on it. So I just watch you guys throw games out. And I tell you what our model thinks about it. And that's been really fun. So uh, those numbers keep growing. Everything that we do grows. It's kind of like you any throw anything out there and you guys make it successful. Uh, I'm not going to abuse that because if I throw some of my terrible ideas out there, you might just reject them wholesale. But we do have some fun things that we're doing right now, and we have some more fun things in the works. I mean, I cannot wait to show you guys what we're going to do for any one of you who pulls off what Calvin did Saturday and you get us national notoriety of any kind and you don't go to jail in the process and you don't break any laws in the process. Misdemeanors may be okay. If you get the show national recognition, you are getting something and it's going to have a unique name. It's going to be great. I can assure you, you've never heard anything like this name before. And I love it. I love it. You will love it. We will all love it. So for producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you leave a five-star review. And we will see you later tonight on Late Kick Live. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. And God bless. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.